0: We uh, are going to open up our Bibles here in a moment in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 5. And this is dealing with harmony. Harmony means joy. And uh, we can say that isn't it great to be a part of uh, a harmony and a church fellowship, right? Uh, You've perhaps seen uh, battalions or troops where they've been marching. And they look really good. You know, they have on the uniforms and everything. And maybe somebody's out of step. Doesn't that kind of bother you? I mean, they're out of harmony, you know. And then then you've seen bands, high school bands, and especially the junior high bands, you know, when they're first starting out. There's going to be somebody always that's going to be out of step. You've seen it. You know, they'll they'll be doing some kind of a dance to try to get back in the the marching order. And um, then you've probably seen these. Um, where you have um, maybe troops again where they're standing and they stand for a long time and all of a sudden you see somebody just fall out of rank. I mean, literally fall. They fall backwards. Has anybody ever seen that? Aha, we have somebody that's seen that. I did too. I was in ROTC here at a famous Lincoln University and you had to take ROTC back at that time. And I wouldn't have taken it otherwise. <laughs> but it's a good, pro- good program. I just, I just don't see myself in that. But, um, one, one day, it was some kind of a Veterans Day deal. I don't know what it was. But anyway, everybody was standing there. It was a really warm day. It might, it might have been in November. But the sun was shining and it was hot and it was pretty well. It had to be in the 80s. And after standing about 20 minutes or so, I I heard this thud. Now, you're not supposed to look, but you wonder, what was that? Something hit the ground. And so your eyes are kind of trying to peel over there to see what happened. And you go, my, there's a guy that's down. And you start wondering, did he get shot? What's going on? And then about 30 seconds later, another guy went down and hit the ground i go my what do i do with this and so i you know i'm going like this and i'm everybody else is kind of looking around like this too but you can't move your head right and then i saw four total that hit the ground and got to thinking am i going to be next and my knees started feeling really funny you know and all of a sudden i went like this and you know kind of bent my knees a little bit and uh I, I went through that and I, I didn't hit the ground. But I was wondering, is everybody gonna hit this? is this is what's supposed to happen? That looks awful, doesn't it? Doesn't that look terrible if you've ever seen that? <laughs> and it just out of it just it takes away the whole uniformity of, of the thing that they're accomplishing in that exercise. How about whenever you've watched TV, especially on these satellite things sometimes, or even older shows, you know, where they, the mouth is moving and it's not matching the voice, and it drives you crazy, and you can only watch that for about 30 seconds. You say, oh, that's enough. That's, I can't stand to watch that. You know, it's out of sync. It's uh, There's no harmony there. Uh, so, you know, I, I just hate that when those kind of things happen. Well, keeping in those kind of examples, we'll, we'll give you another one. Um, young married couples, they need the advice. Uh, they need advice that they need to be in harmony. matter of fact, old married couples, uh, couples need to be reminded that they need to be in agreement, right? Whenever we're out of agreement, we're out of step and there's no harmony there and it becomes ugly sometimes. I think the greatest illustration is in the music realm. Because all sorts of harmony can happen in the in musical world. Um, sad to say though, today I think in, in the congregations, what has happened is the, the art of uh, harmony has kind of been set aside. And I'm not so sure whether people know what to do with harmony anymore. We don't have those shaped notes. I never did learn how to do those shaped notes from Stamps Baxter. Does anybody remember those? Penny does, right? You remember those? yeah. yeah. Okay, Audrey knows those too. Some of you might. I tried to read them the other day and I go, what is this? How do you, what is this? I, but um, but they're supposed to get harmony, you know, in in in, in, uh, in the singing, congregational singing and it, it's, it's not there. It almost becomes uh, just everybody sings the melody and that seems to be the most common. It doesn't matter where you go to church anymore. That's uh, kind of gone that way. And, and don't make too much of that, okay? <laughs> just sing. That's what I say. Just sing. And if another part comes to you, well, even if it is out a little bit, don't worry about it. It's okay. Lord will correct that. It's okay. <laughs> Everything comes up to him perfectly. We have our hearts there, right, right? Um, but what I'm saying there is, in society today, we have seen it turn to an individualistic society where we don't depend on others as much as what we once did. We just kind of do our own thing. And uh, years ago, or so I'm told, I might even remember it, I don't know, I don't want to show my age, but people used to go to their next door neighbors, knock on the back door, and say, hey, can I borrow a cup of sugar? Can you imagine that happening today? I mean, I don't hear of that. Now, some of you guys might have that happen. But it's kind of unusual. Hey, I I need a half gallon of milk. You know, I'm baking a cake. Can you? Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. Matter of fact, you might even go in and sit down at the table and talk with them and have a cup of coffee. Now, that's amazing. Now, that was the kind of thing that happened, I I think, at one time, Uh, at least I'm told. If you watch maybe something like Andy Griffith or Leave it to Beaver, you know, those shows. Um, But don't you think that it has come to a situation where we don't go over to the neighbor and sit on the porch swing or the chair or on their deck and talk with them as uh, what we probably should. Uh, we've become so individualistic. We, we don't cooperate today like we should. Uh, I think that's a culmination of probably, well, a lot of the society of uh, the way it is. It's a busy world. A lot of things going on. And it seems like we're all singing solo. We're all singing uh, the melody and there's no harmony to it. And when people fall out with other people, it seems like there's really not any kind of pressure on anybody to really get get it right. So we can be out of harmony uh, with one another and think it really doesn't matter. Uh, but there are other brothers, there are other sisters around us. Uh, they have gifts. They have ministries that I don't have, that you don't have. And these people exercise those. And uh, whenever we get to experience their gifts and And you get to trade off on those kind of gifts and everything. Those resources that come from God are really valuable. You know, we have a lot of resources to get to a lot of good theology today like never before. We can go, uh, and find almost any commentary we want. We can find Bible dictionaries, concordances, study Bibles. We have a lot of information that we can get to know about God, and that's great. But we can't get that away From God's people, when we also are uh, being able to communicate together in harmony. So, what we're getting at here in Philippians is that what's the theme all the way through? Joy, right? That three letter word. Joy has been mentioned several times. Now, once again, it's going to be seen in our text today, and that line is probably one of the famous lines Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, right? So we're commanded to rejoice, but if there's no harmony, then how can we really rejoice with other believers if we don't have that kind of camaraderie and that kind of harmony? We can't have that full joy. And so Paul hits it right on the head as he addresses the Philippians here as we look at it today. And He uh, gives them a charge, a command, if we might say. And He's doing the same thing with us too. He's giving us a command just like He did the Philippians. It's still valid 2,000 years later to, uh, to rejoice in this. We'll see how joy and harmony unite together. If you have no harmony, you can't have the joy then. So harmony means joy. If you have harmony together, then you're going to have joy in the Lord. Uh, one thing uh, we're going to look at is joy with the saints. We we should have uh, this kind of harmony. Joy and harmony uh, with the saints. How about in serving? We should have that kind of harmony there as we serve together. Uh, harmony in rejoicing always. And then harmony in the very presence of the Lord. Um, now and in, in the future. Uh, let's read Philippians 4. Turn there and uh, go to verse 2. I urge you, and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement, also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Harmony. Harmony with the saints. No matter how people can get along with each other, no matter how good they can get along with each other, you can have the best of friends. Tight as can be. And because of the fallenness of man, there's always the potential of a falling out. Just with two people. And you can see that in a marriage, they can have problems, they're going to have them, right? And because of the fallenness of man, you're going to have disagreements. And sometimes it can be really a, a, a split, hard disagreement on people who really care about each other. Now, I'm not aiming this message at any particular individual or group of people or pairs or anything as we uh, proceed in this. Just in case you're wondering. he you said, oh, there must be some kind of disharmony here in the fellowship here today. And I'm not, I, I don't know about that. I, that's not my deal. We, just, we happen to be in Philippians 4. And this is the text. And it's definitely meant for us. So, um, I don't know of any ladies. Here we have today here, Yodia and Syntyche. I don't know of any ladies who are really uh, having it out with each other, a war. You know, I don't necessarily even know of any men who are locking horns. You ever heard of that? Locking horns? What does that mean? I don't don't know of that. Uh, But I do know there are no perfect churches. (laughs) There are no perfect... How can you say? um, People. Right? There's no perfect people. And we're all fallible. And there's no perfect homes. No perfect homes. So no perfect churches, no perfect people, no perfect homes. And so how can we pull this off with a group of people like all of us, not just two people or four people, but we, all of us out here? How can we pull that off when we have this perfect harmony, right? As, as we uh, serve together. Um, anyway, I mention this just in case someone gets over the concern that I'm trying to make a point for somebody. If I did, I'd mention you. (laughs) And then put everybody else's mind at rest. (laughs) Now, I'll, I'll come on with humility. There's such a long list to go through. And on top of that list, you know whose name it is It's mine. I'm at the top of the list there as far as I need to make a point of this to myself. At any rate, we can't stand firm as verse 1 says, and that's where we left off last week. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see my joy and crown in this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. You know, the Lord always has a Word for us. You ever notice that? And sometimes there are texts and go, well, is this timely? Is it Always is timely. And whether it seems in season, out of season. now I mean, the Word of God is something we need to be reminded of constantly, don't we? And all things we need to work at. We haven't arrived yet. Remember what Paul said? We're not there yet. Paul wasn't there yet. We're not there until he comes back for us and glorifies us. But... um Starting in verse one, he says, "I urge," and that word is related to the word Paraclete. And you guys are familiar with Paraclete, the Holy Spirit, as the comforter, or it means to para, alongside, um, to uh, be alongside someone, to uh, encourage. That's that's the thought here. I urge you. I I plead. I beg, I'm coming alongside you, Philippian congregation. I'm coming alongside you, Euodia and Syntyche. I'm coming alongside you. I'm pleading this. And then he names the names. Wow, Paul. These are Christian ladies who are very strong. They're committed to the Gospel and they're committed to others. And he just comes right out in this letter for all the church in Philippi to know who was. And not only that, from there on, the rest of history, as far as the church is concerned, are going to know these two ladies were having it out with each other. Now isn't that amazing? And this letter is the letter of joy. But the thing is, they need to be encouraged to step it up another level. Isn't that always the way it is? The Philippians didn't have the same kind of problems the Corinthians did, did they? I'm sure they had some in some way, But this is a, a church that's, that's lifted up somewhat in, in their obedience. But Paul wants to take them up even more and stretch out even more. Remember, it's like a race, right? And we're going further and further with this. So, these two women... Are identified. They're causing a conflict in the congregation. In no uncertain terms, Paul is not vague, <laughs> naming the names. I imagine they, as he addressed already that uh, they were to uh, the church was to be one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I'm sure they're sitting there listening to this letter and they're wondering. How did Paul know? Was he thinking about me? You know, have you guys ever thought of that when you read God's Word, God's word or even um, heard it preached or taught? And you go, how did he know that? Well, God's Spirit knows and He convicts us all, doesn't He? He works on all of us if uh, we're open to Him. Um, anyway, uh, these these ladies are really commendable ladies. They're not a couple that are really trying to cause problems in the church. If you look back in Acts 16.13, we get a little bit of history of Philippians, if you'll remember how the Philippian church uh, got started. I'm just going to read, I think, one verse here. And on the Sabbath day, this is Paul here, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. We sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. Of course, there's the, the woman named Lydia, seller of purple. She becomes saved and her household becomes saved. Um, she is actually... With a bunch of other ladies, as they're praying out there by the riverside, it's very possible that Euodia and Cydica were out in the same place as they prayed to meet there on that worship day. Uh, they weren't necess- they weren't Christians yet. They were going to be, but uh, they met there wasn't a big enough congregation for there to to be a synagogue. And so they got together, and uh, that's how they worship God. These are godly women there. And now we have this conflict. They're at odds. And you ever, have you ever wondered how Christians can actually quarrel with each other? You ever wondered that? How can that be? Christians are Christians, and they're full of the Holy Spirit, and they want to be obedient to God. And is it possible in the church you can have people quarreling with each other? Yeah, it is. But why is that? Because we're sinful people. And we need to beat that sin, but we don't always do that very good. And if somebody has done something to us, or we thought they did, I think each of them thought they were right. You know, one says, no, I'm right. The other one's saying, I'm right. And what happens is they were not going to back down on this. And if you have I'm right and I'm right, what are you going to do? Well, they're not going to have reconciliation. And what they're saying, well, have you ever heard this before? Well, if they don't come to me, you know, I'm not going to say anything to them. And the other one's saying, hey, I'm not going over to them. You know? So this is the kind of attitude that will affect not only those two, but how many? It starts affecting everybody. It affects everybody in the whole church. You can say, wow, how does that do that? Well, it just kind of spreads like gangrene. I'm sure it was something very simple. This kind of attitude can be very petty. That's what it usually is. It's very peripheral. It really doesn't amount to much. But what it does, it starts scattering seeds of bitterness. And the bitterness grows. The seed is planted and boom, it starts flowering. <laughs> and we have chaos. And so Paul makes an issue out of this. He should have said, Paul, leave it alone. It's okay. You know, that's it's not a big deal. Well, he he knew that... There need to be a restoration in, in the church there, and especially with these two ladies. So Paul makes an issue. He warned about certain people before. And who were they? They were people outside the church. Remember he's been talking about the Judaizers? The Judaizers were the ones who were coming in, bringing in legalism, and trying to fit in with the cross. You know, the cross is not quite enough. It's not sufficient, but you you have to do these things. Circumcision, the law, and all that. Okay, that's one group. But that's kind of on the outside, isn't it? And then you have another group like the, uh, the Gentiles who are the other way around maybe. And they really um, are not having any problem with anything. Uh, matter of fact, they would be liberal. And uh, because we live in this flesh, it's kind of like Gnosticism, because we live in this flesh, you know, really we don't have to worry about it. Our, our, our flesh is sinful. It's going to do what it does anyway, so I can go ahead and do it. It's no big deal, right? And we know that's wrong. Well, that was kind of outside the church even though it was coming inside. That's a big danger, isn't it? But there's something more dangerous than that. And it's what Paul is dealing with here. It's on the very inside where you have believers and believers who are really committed to the church and it's a greater concern for Paul. It's, it's right here in the Philippians. I think it's a great challenge. This is a big challenge. In him. So he knows two women having a major conflict in a church that can threaten the very spiritual stability. And remember Paul in verse 1 said, stand firm. And then what's the very next verse? Iodia and Syntyche. I took that verse 1, connected to it with the last chapter. And remember there's no chapter divisions that are inspired in our uh, Bibles. But um, it, it just leads into another section. But that kind of summed up what the previous aspect was about. But it also leads into where we're at. So it's kind of a, a kind of an elbow there for us. But um, what can happen is we can always fall into all kinds of sins. Uh, and and whenever these ladies have this problem, you can start having uh, revenge. You can have hostility. You can have unforgiveness. You can have bitterness. You can have pride. Paul knows all that. And he knows what can come out of it. So he hits this in this very last chapter. You know, when you have two people who are right with the Lord, who are really desiring His will and His way, you know what? They are going to get along just fine. As long as two people are right with the Lord. They might have differences. But they're going to be able to get it, uh, get it along, and, and they're going to do fine, no problem. So he says, get them together, get those two ladies together, and let's live in harmony. This is the way it's supposed to be, and they're supposed to do it in in the Lord that they do this. Look, I urge you, Odea, I urge Sintike to live in harmony. What's the next phrase? In the Lord. You know what? God qualifies every command. He gives us the strength to do. It. People can't get along because of their us. We already said that. Well, they can try their best and do pretty good, but here's how you really do it. You have all the strength that you need. In the Lord. That's how we do it, right? In Christ. That's how we're able to... It's not just a bunch of commands in the Bible. Okay, do this. Do this. Don't do that. Do this. We have commands, but it's always qualified by, here's how we do it. Here's here's the motivation. And here's what we have. We have all the resources to do it. It's not like we're out there and say, do it, do it, and you don't have any resources. Has has your boss or anybody ever told you to do something and they didn't give you the resources that you needed to do the job and you're sitting there going, yeah, I'd like to do that, but uh, I need this. I need this. Uh, To live in harmony, one has to not too highly think of themselves. You remember that way back in Philippians 2? Don't think highly of yourselves. matter of fact, we can go all the way back to chapter 1, verse 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Why? So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm, and there's those two words, standing firm in what? One spirit, there's unity, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So there's the unity that he talks about in chapter 1. You keep reading, you look in chapter 2, verse 2. Make my, what's that word? Joy complete. Here's how I'll have joy if you have harmony. Do you see how joy and harmony go together? Uh-huh. Make my joy complete, make it come to perfection. By being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. This church has one purpose. Remember what it is? glorify God that's, that's where we're going now there are a lot of different things that are going to be done to get there but that's where we're headed we want to do that constantly glorify God if we're doing it together when we when we sing together you know we're actually doing that and we're striving together just in that sense you say I don't see that striving I enjoy doing it I love to do that Um, Some of us may not have the music talent, but we we still like to sing those words or whatever. Well, see, we're putting it together. We're offering it up to the Lord. And the Lord sees us as one. He doesn't see us us as individuals. He sees his body working in the way that it should. Isn't that beautiful? So, uh, quite an opportunity. So, we're to be thinking of others, not thinking highly of ourselves. We've mentioned that many times. We are thinking about, how can I build that person up? you know i I've seen that person there it seems like they're really struggling or they're really down you know or men they have really um uh, physically there's a lot of different things that they're having to deal with uh, I mean the pressure is on a lot of different things everybody we live in a society, man the pressure can be hard, and sometimes it's good just to have a brother or sister come along and say hey the Lord's with you man, you know what what you're what you're dealing with what you're having to go through uh hey, it's okay, he's there, he's empowering you." And uh hey, I'll be praying for you too. you know isn't that great? Doesn't that help you out just in that? Just to know that somebody else cares, you may not even get a chance to even do anything for them. There's nothing you can do, but you're saying, "Hey, I'm there and uh it, it that's simple stuff, but you know it's all of our responsibility to take up the load to bear the burden that uh, other people are going through because they are going to take up the responsibility and bear your burden either now or or later. Uh, where there is peace, where there is harmony in a fellowship, there is stability, and uh, Paul keeps using that word quite a bit. There is encouragement. Uh, there is nourishment. We're all working on that. You know, we're not perfect in that at all, man. If if we had it all together, why would we want to be here? You know, why be here? Well, we don't want to be here sometimes. We want to be with him, right? But in the meantime, look what we're to do. Here's what he calls us to do, right? You know, there are a lot of people in churches who sometimes can really flounder. And sometimes they drift, and uh, they battle, and they flop, and they even fall. I mean, a really hard struggle. We know it is. It's hard. And, you know, maybe the environment that they're in is not very supportive. So we want to be a supportive environment. Maybe improve, you know, in in our own individual lives as we do it together. We're to to support the weak, to, to lift up the fallen, even when they keep falling. They keep falling and i've I've seen people have to deal with uh seeing out the other day uh, people that deal with uh drugs that's prescribed to them, and they have one drug after another drug and to, to kind of battle that other one off and i mean you know they might have ten twelve fifteen different things they're taking and man it's hard and it, and it's hard to think and, and it's like wow well, you know and then or they're on illegal drugs and they fall back. They didn't want to, but there they are. They're doing that again. And you kind of bring them back up, and they go down again. You bring them back up, and they go there for a while, and they go back down again. It kind of reminds me of that one show that comes on on Bach Radio now. I think it's uh, is it around one thirty in the afternoon, and it has that organ in it. <laughs> Sounds like a little theater, almost you know the drama that they bring forth, and I I think those are true stories. Yeah, unshackled. It's been around for a long time. And boy, down they go, and then they come back up. Down they go, and it's just constant struggle. But there always seems like people that the Lord brings along for that person, and it's not ever, not always a happily ever after type thing, but. Sometimes people do conquer those, but if they don't have somebody to keep putting them back up, and boy you have to have patience because sometimes you go, "What? Why do I keep doing this?" because it's not happening, it's not working, but we keep doing it. You know? And sometimes it just wears you out. sometimes you just have to call upon the Lord and say, "You know, I've done all I can do. It's it's up to you, Lord, because I can't do anymore." And, and 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 you're constantly praying for him but uh, there are people in the church that are that weak and that are true believers. Okay, um, we covered verse 2. Wow, let's move on. Verse 3. Indeed. That's pretty good. That means, hey, I'm agreeing with myself here, Paul. I agree with the Holy Spirit, right? Indeed, this is true. Indeed. Hey, check this out. True companion. I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle and the cause of the gospel together with Clement and also the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Well, there's a lot to that verse, isn't there? There's harmony in serving together. Write in this letter while it's being read in, in the church. Uh, you know, this is actually read for the first time. These people hear this. These Philippians do. And Paul asked this one guy to help the women get together in harmony. <coughs> And, you know, he asks this one guy, you get them together. Wow, Paul, oh, really? This is part of a mutual ministry that's going on. Of the church, the believers. And he's hearing this for the first time. He's saying, well, how does he know who it is? Well, we'll get to that. I'm not so sure. It's kind of baffling. Um, but he calls him true companion. Some of your versions might have true comrade. That sounds communistic almost, doesn't it? A little Russian. True companion. Uh, The Greek word is susagos. It's translated to yoke fellow. Hey, yoke fellow. I'm glad they didn't use that in the NAS, but that's really kind of what it is. Indeed, yoke fellow. You're yoked to me. You're you're yoked to me like a team of oxen are. You're my really fellow, true companion here. You're a really fellow uh, worker with me here. And... uh, I want you to help carry the load here with those two people. Uh, you're my partner in, in this uh, enterprise here, right? So, who's the Genuine yoke fellow. You, my genuine, true yoke fellow. Well, there's a lot of possibilities it could be. Actually, uh, he's referring to somebody we don't know. Just somebody that he just throws it out there. Says my true companion, and maybe that true companion that you know is saying, oh. I know who he's talking about. He's talking about me. And of course, a lot of those that could have been true companions, they're saying the same thing, saying now I have five or six guys, you know, saying, oh, that's me. Um, But it could be that way. We don't know who it is, but it's somebody that's unnamed. Uh, But it is interesting that he does mention Euodia and Syntyche, and he mentions Clement, right? I want you and Clement to do this. So is it somebody we don't know? It's just unnamed. Uh did did Paul forget the guy's name? Oh, well, he Was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I don't think that happens. It sounds like me. Oh yeah, that other person. That I, you know, I'm always forgetting people's names. When I start to forget my own name is whenever I'm really in trouble. What's your name? I don't think that happened to Paul. You know, but maybe he wants to kind of cover, I don't know, I don't know. Um, maybe it's in a collective sense. And it refers to the the, the whole church here. You're my fellow workers. Uh, and he says that later though. Uh, you're my fellow companions, my compadres, my comrades. You're all that. So it could be the church as a unit. could be that. could be somebody that's unknown. So I'm not going to be uh, dogmatic about this. It's not. It could be this. It could be that there is a guy by the name of Susigos. That's his name. And he say, "You mean his name was Companion?" Well, sure. It could be. It could be. Is it possible? Could be. I'm not saying it is, but it could be that that is his name in the Greek. And uh, if that be the sense, that's kind of interesting. Uh, it means he's a companion. Remember Barnabas? You know what that meant encouragement a son of encouragement that's really what his name meant so names meant something back then so it definitely could be that you know a, a, a companion um, hey Susagos uh, I want you to help these women so it could be one individual with a, a name like that and so you know it's it neither here nor there I, I think the idea is that there's somebody that can really do it maybe this guy is an overseer maybe he's a deacon um It could be a proper name, maybe not. But he's saying, be a peacemaker here. I want you to be a peacemaker. I want you to help these women. These women, they need a peacemaker in between them there. And then he says, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle. Now, these two women who were named actually were workers with Paul. They shared the struggle. Soon, Asleol. Oh, does a word there stick out at you? Athleto? I'll say it in that athleto. athletics. Athletics is dealing with a striving. When you do athletics, man, it's not it's not easy, you know. I mean you have to really work out. You have to really go for it. Uh there's athleto. Soon, Athla, oh, they're striving this thing uh, together. Concrete here, uh, striving and struggling together. Uh, That's the thought. In their ministry, they strived intensely as they served. So these ladies are not just on the periphery. They are quite the servants in the Philippian church. Now he mentions Clement. Together with Clement. So they shared the struggle with Paul. Clement shared the... So I go, he says, I just want you to know it wasn't them alone, but together along with Clement also. And he could have been another leader that was in the church at Philippi. We don't know anything more about him. So there's no use to you know, guess at it. But he was a servant in the, uh, in the Lord in that church. He meant a lot. And then you have, and the rest of my fellow workers, now, these guys are not given any names the rest of my fellow workers, the rest of the church, all the ones who did the serving, you know, okay, help these women who shared my struggle. You do that, uh, this true companion. And by the way, they shared my my struggle. They worked with me. Clement did it, and also all the other ones did. Uh, There are many who served in this church at Philippi. They worked together. They were faithful servants. And it's kind of interesting. No names here. They're just fellow workers. People at Philippi, we don't know too many that were there, were given some names, but the rest of these guys are no namers. But I'll tell you what, in God's book, they have an, uh, uh, a very preeminent names. <laughs> you know why? Because the next phrase says, whose names are in the book of life. I didn't name them here. They're not in this book. But they're in the book of life. Boy, that is far more important, isn't it? Far more important. A book of life. Don't you love that? These people struggled. They stood firm in one spirit. Fellow workers. Written in the book of life. You know what? The Lord is not going to forget your labor. He will never forget your labor in Him. It will not be in vain. Anything you're doing that seems like it's not accounting... Oh, huh, how many times have I thought this you know what on, some something that I might be doing some task or something and this is absolutely useless. It seems like it's there's no fruit there's nothing happening. you know what it's God's word, and he takes something that doesn't look like anything, and if we're doing it for his glory, it's not in vain. He has your name written in that book. And it's there forever. It's not you're going to be blotted out, are you? You're in that book forever. Look in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Well, oh, that's encouraging, isn't it? We're actually in a book. You may not be listed in any book that's ever been written in the history of mankind. Your, your name may not be there, but you know what? That's okay because look in Daniel 12.1. At the time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, look at this, your people... Who are they? Who's your people? Everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. And then he goes on to say, many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground, the people have died. They're going to wait. And these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. There are other passages, so many passages about the book of life. Fellow workers, they were all in it. All of them in Philippi were in that book. We're in the book with them now. You know, the thing is, it was written before the foundation of the world. It wasn't written because you did a certain amount of work in the church. It's not there. It's not on some kind of honor roll in the back of the church, or had your name on the back of a pew. No, you are in something that's more important, right? Verse 4. Oh, here we go. This is the one everybody knows. You could actually sing it if you wanted to. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Uh, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. You just keep singing that and do it in rounds and everything. It's delight. Gladden yourselves. In the Lord. You notice it says, in the Lord. Rejoice. In the Lord. He's not just saying, rejoice. He's saying, like, I'm trying to rejoice. Well, come on, look like it. Make yourself. Get up, get up, do it. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to rejoice. <laughs> I can't do it. Rejoice in the Lord. Just like earlier he said, live in harmony in the Lord. That's what qualifies it. You notice how the Lord works? He gives us the strength. It's in Christ that we rejoice. I don't feel like it. Yes, but you're in Christ. Look at who are you in Christ and turn over to Ephesians 1 and read that whole first 13 verses there and see where you've been put. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. My, gladden yourselves in Him. Look, you know, you can look around you and you can start saddening yourself real quick, but look at Him. Gladden in Him. Look in Galatians 5.22. You don't even have to look. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, going through that's in Christ because the fruit of the Spirit comes out because the Spirit is working in you. As you yield to that work that's in you, you work it out and the fruit starts shining. You know, uh, this time of the year, if you notice how many flowers are starting to come out, they're just popping out everywhere. You know, fruits will happen and such. Uh, wow, great. John fifteen eleven, That kind of gives us a picture of how we are to be and if we yield to the work of the Spirit. John 15, verse 11, Jesus with the disciples. Uh, These things I have spoken to you. Why? So that my joy may be in you. This is Jesus' joy. Jesus' joy be in you, right? And that your joy may be made full. Complete. Bring it all the way on up as far as it can go, right? My joy <coughs> is in you. The very joy of the Lord is my strength. Out of the Old Testament, out of Nehemiah, right? Joy of the Lord will be my strength. Hmm. In Christ. I think that's making a point in in the Lord rejoice in the Lord Acts 5:41 The early church early church sometimes got persecuted because they lived out their faith visibly and there were arrests and all sorts of different things says in verse 40, I took advice after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they flogged them. You know what flogging means? And then they said, okay, don't you ever say anything about Jesus' name again. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. okay. No, I didn't do that. Whatever. Look at verse 41. So they went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing after they were released, they were rejoicing after they had been flogged, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for His name. That's setting a precedent right there for the rest of the church and all the way up to today. So when things don't go your way, you can still say, hey, listen... If I have to suffer, if it's for His name's sake, well, let it be. I'm going to rejoice in that. And Do we go around rejoicing because we have all sorts of pain and, and stuff? No, not because of that. We're rejoicing in the Lord. We don't want things to come on us that are uh, uh, really, oh Lord, give me the hardest thing You can give to me. You know, man, I'm going to rejoice even more when you do that. We don't invite that to happen. But when it happens, we still rejoice in Him. Rejoice in the Lord. So, you know, sometimes we are victimized by our circumstances. Sometimes we have our highs. Sometimes we have our lows. We fluctuate. We vacillate, you know, the things that are going on in our lives. And everything as far as our happiness is dependent upon the stuff uh, that is going on on the outside. So that's how we are. I'm happy if this happens, but I'm not happy if this happens. Ooh, no, no, that's really unhappiness there. Oh. It's perfect sunshine today. It's 75 degrees. There's no breeze out there. It's a fantastic, it's a super day. Everything's going my way. And, you know, people take me, you know, and do this. They give me this thing. And, and uh, hey, they even take me out to lunch. And then the, I'm not saying take me out to lunch today. <laughs> oh. I mean, I mean everything is... We're having a carnival. I mean, we're having a festival here, you know. I mean, everything's going my way. Man, then I can have joy Externally. and it's good to have those days sometimes to actually have fun and enjoy it but what happens when that stuff starts to disintegrate which it will then I lose that feeling of happiness see that's not what Paul's saying here rejoice in the Lord always again I will say rejoice he's not talking about the external things he says rejoice in the Lord I can't rejoice in my circumstances all the time, you know. I I can't rejoice. I can't rejoice in my circumstances most of the time. I can't rejoice in the way things are going on in this world. I can't I can't do that. I don't like the way things are going. Everything's going against me. There's no spiritual accomplishments. It doesn't seem like there's any fruit. There's nothing happening. But the grace of God is there. But all I see is my failures. I don't rejoice in that. Well, if I'm going to rejoice in something, it certainly isn't going to be rejoicing in me. I'm not going to rejoice because look what I made happen. People say, "Well, don't you rejoice in people?" Well, oh, well, no, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm happy for another person. I'm happy because the Lord sends them around my way. You know, we love to be around, you know, people. You know, the Lord. And, uh, but we'll be disappointed in people. People are. You know, they can sin. I don't want to tie my joy to them. I don't want to tie my joy to whatever's going to come and go. Well, don't you rejoice in success, then? You You say, well, that's that's because you don't have any success? It's not that it. Our success is in the Lord. Um, Success comes and goes, doesn't it? Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord because He never wavers. He's constant. He's sure. He never changes. Now, practicality. What do we rejoice about? Go to Habakkuk chapter 3. I think we turned to this last Monday night. And you've heard it many times. That Boy, it really speaks. Lord, speak to me here. Speak to me today. And What we're saying is, allow Your Word to penetrate my heart. Tell me what you want. Look we'll back at three. Boy, this is asking a lot. Verse 17 Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, Though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls. Nothing. Yet. Look at this. This is is amazing. I will exult. What? In the Lord. Look at this. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. My salvation. That's one thing that didn't go, did it? The Lord God is my strength. He is my joy. He is my strength. And He has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk on my high places. That means like a, a deer or hinds feet that are walking up in the mountain heights without slipping. So Habakkuk's faith in the Lord allowed him to take on these difficult sufferings and what could come. And he'd been asking questions and here uh, he gets the answer from God and then he comes out and says, hey, okay, if everything is taken away from me and I don't have anything... It sounds like Job, doesn't it? But I will exult in the Lord. God is my joy. God is my salvation. God is my everything. That other stuff is really nothing as far as eternity is concerned. It helps. It's nice. It's good. But that's not going to be the thing that gets us into heaven. So what do we rejoice about? Well, for one thing, realizing God controls everything. So wherever we're at, God's controlling that. That's good to know. Uh, Remember that God saved you. God is saving you. God will save you. That's how we rejoice. Oh, I've got an inheritance coming. Oh, I forgot about that inheritance. We're not talking about some inheritance that uh, some lost uncle that you didn't know about is, is going to be coming your way now. You know that died, and no, an inheritance is that that's in heaven, reserved for you. And then realizing that God supplies all my needs right here. That's right. He gives me everything I need. Has He ever let you down? No. Seems like He could this time. <laughs> we forget about what He did before and what He promises that He's going to do in the future. But what about now? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, we have access to God right now. Oh, we have prayer. We can go to Him right now. Yeah, we can go right forth. the throne. We are. Matter of fact, God is right here with us right now. <laughs> He uses me. He's using me. I want to be used. I want to be useful. I want to serve. I want to do whatever He wants me to do. Right? Have thine own way, Lord. Use me however you want to do. Consecrate me. And then, when it all comes down to the very end, then we can see this. Death is gain. Paul's already said that. So when I do die, then I'm going to be in a better place than I am now. We know that, right? So what do we rejoice about? Should <laughs> just get a load of those things? Wow, I mean that is that's eternity. Transient. We're transients here in this life. we're uh, We're pilgrims, just moving on. one time, my conditions arrange themselves like a sunny day in the month of May. and other times they are rearranged, and you have a gloomy gloomy day like it is in November after Thanksgiving. All the leaves are off. One day I'm at a wedding, and the next day I stand at an open grave. One day in my ministry I can help lead a lot of people to the Lord. And then you go for a long time without being able to win anybody to the Lord. The days are changeable. The weather is changeable. Everything in this life is changeable, and it does change. It continues to change. I hate change. I don't want to change. I like it the way it is. If it would, if God would have honored that with me, I'd still probably be a five-year-old or something, you know, and <laughs> playing on my little tricycle or learning to ride the bike. And oh, those were even trials then, you know. They'd, my dad would be pushing me on that bike, say, "Okay, you know, it's on you now," you know, and he'd be training me out of that. And, oh, oh man. I kind of want to go back to my tribe, you know. <laughs> there's something good that He's doing. Everything is changeable. It's all going to change. There's a good change coming. Not what the President says is going to change, but there's a change that the Lord is doing. He's working in us. He's constantly changing us so that we can ultimately glorify Him. And, you know, one thing we can bank on is Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always. Uh, this is 53 minutes. I've got seven more minutes. I have to stretch out. Can you believe that? Just kidding. Just kidding. I don't think I've ever gone to a time where I ran out of time. Or Actually, I always run out of time. It's the other way around. Oh, I don't have enough stuff here. You guys know that, don't you? I'm sorry. Most people will be done now. I'm trying to I'm trying to finish. Verse five. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Do you like that? That's what we're going to close today. Gentle Spirit. A sweet reasonableness. A gentle spirit, sweet reasonableness—that's the opposite, very opposite of our obstinacy and our self-wills, wanting our way all the time. The opposite says having a gentle spirit, content. Paul wasn't calling them to sacrifice right principles; he's pleading for a mildness of disposition. Where their position is, uh, noble gentleness, the grace of God. it's the, the very grace of Christ showing that grace that Christ is the way he was. Sweet, reasonableness. Let it be known to who, all men. Let it be known to the people in your family. Sweet gentleness. This is to everybody here. It's not just to Eodian Centike. We've already passed that deal. He dealt with that for about two verses and then he packed all this up and says, hey, this is all for us. This wasn't for two ladies back 2,000 years ago and you say, oh, this is not for me today because that was those ladies, whatever that was. Well, look, see how it all works? This is for all of us. This is great. Sweet rhythms. Let it be known to everybody. And the last phrase here, the last sentence, the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. Go to Psalm 119, 151. That great, big, long Psalm, longest chapter in all of the Bible. Out right in the middle of your Bibles, unless you have a study Bible. 119, 151. You are near, O Lord. And all your commandments are truth, you are near you're right here. you're with us now, and you will be. the Lord is at hand uh the The Lord is near well, one way we can think of that is, hey, be considered to all people and let them know um, how Christ is working in you, the Holy Spirit, because the Lord's coming back. Well, that's a great motive, isn't it? and I think it it can mean that. The Lord is coming back. Let everybody recognize who He's worked with. He's going to provide for you. He'll never let His children lose out. The Lord is standing by. It gets to the point of right now, He's right here. And it was just like when Paul was writing the letter, he's chained to these guards that are right there with him. And he's saying, the Lord is with me. I'm chained to Him. Really, that's how he saw things. And uh, so he could say this as he has a Roman soldier here, and even the devil there is probably standing there by Paul, not wanting that this kind of Word of God come to these people. And Paul's going to make sure it's written. All that mattered was that the Lord was standing by there. So as you're going through difficult situations or great situations that you really like, the Lord is there. He is closer than anybody else that could be there breathing over your neck. Because He lives in you. The Lord is with us as a group. He's living in us as a church, but He's living in us here. Nearer than hands and feet can be. Isn't that incredible? Do you know of any other kind of personal God in all the religions that can say that? There's none. The Lord is here even this morning. And all the kind of bickering and pride and everything that can be going on there in Philippi, how quickly things could really be happening even better if they'd be reconciled to one another. So you guys make sure, he's saying, that they get this together because they work together. They work with you. They work with me. Look what they, they, they mean here. Seeing we are citizens of heaven. We talked about that last week, right? Our citizenship is in heaven. Seeing we are citizens of heaven, should we not seek harmony down here? We're sent from heaven as we can see this, where citizenship is, He sent us out as ambassadors. Now what would it look like for ambassadors of a country They get together and they start getting around bickering with each other? Man, would that blow the minds of the people they are around? The foreigners? (laughs) You're the foreigner and they're not, but yet to you, they are the foreigners, right? So all the people that live there, now they're seeing how we're acting, they're going, boy, I'm glad I'm not from there. Look at that. Wow. We're citizens of heaven, so our harmony should be really good down here. You know what? If we do that, it will bring us great joy. Amen? Let's pray.